okay at this time. <laughs> uh, Pastor Cheyenne wanted me to uh, inform you this morning that it's an opportunity for you to support our middle school teens. They're going to New Frontiers in a few weeks. And they need your support. If you pulled in this morning and saw the tables outside, they're preparing a lunch for you uh, for $5 or more. Uh, they're hoping for more. Uh, and if you'd like to participate in that, uh, that would be a good thing to do in supporting them. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to get right into our scripture. <coughs> Reading, continuing in the passage from John chapter 16. Let's read together. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father." In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is active and alive, and I pray that it's active and alive in our hearts today. I pray, Lord, for my words, Lord, for them to be clear and concise and understandable. I pray, Lord, that the words that I have brought to this house would fall to the ground, but the words that the Holy Spirit would like to use to make eternal changes would be the words that stick and change people's lives. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of this morning to center in on who you are and the access that we have to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Have you ever 
Have you ever been confused or been in a situation uh, of confusion that brings about an embarrassing moment? Anybody in the room? Okay. Some of you purposely put yourself in those situations. Um, I, uh, I just got back last night around 9.30 from the Dominican Republic. The Lord's doing some real incredible things there, and I've been able to be an active part of that and just excited about uh, the things he's doing uh, there and in connection with my school. And when I was uh, there this week, I was reminded of a story uh, or an incident that happened uh, re- regarding me uh, that kind of goes along with this whole confusion, confusion thing and how it brings about embarrassing moments. And so two years ago, uh, I w- we were in Punakana Airport, and I was having some dialogue with one of the teachers there uh, from my school. And we were talking about the kids that we had taken on the trip with us, and uh, we were talking about uh, where we felt like they were spiritually, and some real intense conversation, some real important conversation uh, was being had in that moment, and we had, I think, maybe another hour before, the, before we were getting called to the gate, and so we started this conversation And I don't know how many in this room have ever been to a foreign country and have partaken of the food uh, there, but something uh, in the food is a little bit different from time to time when you're in these foreign countries. The bacteria in the foods are a little bit different. And so our body's response to some of these bacteria is uh, also a little bit different. And uh, so I was in the middle of this conversation, and something similar to an earthquake happened, but it wasn't necessarily on the ground. It was in my stomach. And um, this rumbling came, and it was one of those moments where you know no matter what's going on in that moment, I need to go take care of business. And so we're in the middle of this in-depth conversation, and I want to continue to converse with her because I have some real important things I want to say. But in that moment, I was extremely distracted by what was happening in my innermost being and, uh, and with these rumblings. And so I said to the teacher, I said, would you just hold that thought for just a moment? I, I have some real important things. I'm just going to be gone for just a second. I need to use the restroom. I don't know about you, but I have this habit. I don't know if it's an insecurity. I don't know. But if I'm in a public place, and even if I'm with friends or family, I, I really want to kind of deceive or intentionally trick the people to believe that when I'm going into the restroom, I'm going in for what maybe the Africans would call a, a short call, not a long call. Are you with me? And, um, and I don't, you know, no matter what it is type of business I'm trying to take care of in the restroom, I'm hoping that when I walk out, the thought process isn't, I know what he was doing in there. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it's just, oh, that was quick, you know. So that is my, you know, outside of my earthquake, inner earthquake, I'm hoping that that's the type of perception I have. So I'm, I'm going in, even though I've been going to the Dominican Republic for quite some time, I'm not yet completely familiar with the language enough that I can just catch on to the things quickly. So... I, um, I, I run into the restroom, and, um, you know, in my particular situation, it was a necessity to sit down. And so uh, as, I, as I was sitting there and, and taking care of, of my business, um, you know, I was uh, tuning my ears into a conversation that was happening in the restroom. And uh, I was trying to, because I was hearing Spanish, and I was trying to say, oh, I know that word. I bet that's what they're saying. And I was perplexed because about, you know three-fourths into the conversation that these individuals were having, I was saying, man, not only do these um, Dominicans speak really fast and really 
confusing words, these guys really have high-pitched voices. And I'm just like, what is, you know, what? I wonder if all Dominicans have such high-pitched voices in this area. And um, it dawned on me, I might not be exactly where the Lord wants me at this moment. And so, in almost not a non-intentional perverted way, I put my hands down on the ground and looked under the stall to discover that these men were wearing high heels. And, and I wasn't in the men's restroom at all. And so I was in, found myself, because of the confusion of knowing exactly where I was supposed to go, and in my haste, finding myself in the wrong bathroom. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I need a plan, because I'm in a foreign country. I don't know any of these people. I don't even know how to say an explanation of how this came to be. So I'm sitting there, and I'm coming up with a plan as I'm finishing my business, and uh, I decide I'm going to wait until the conversation completely dies down and goes away, and I'm going to make my exit. I'm going to flee into the men's restroom, wash my hands, walk out like nothing happened. <laughs> as I come up with that plan, I reach over for some toilet paper. It's empty. Women have a tendency to use toilet paper in the restroom. And uh, this particular stall was gone. It was empty. And so I thought to myself, well, I only have a couple of options here. I could climb under this stall into another stall, but that's not going to be a pretty sight if somebody else is in there. Um, so I decided that I'm going to pull up my pants and I'm going to walk out, and I'm going to go finish up my business where I'm supposed to finish up my business. So I wait till a lull in a conversation as if nobody's in there, and I open the door. Thankfully, nobody's standing right there. And let's just say I was not walking in my usual way as I was walking out of this restroom. And as I round the corner to exit this woman's restroom, of course, the entire fleet staff, the flight attendants of a flight, come in, streaming around me as I'm holding up my pants, walking out of the girl's restroom. <laughs> I go into the boys' restroom, and I finish up my business, and I get back to Tiffany, who has been patiently waiting on me and has a very clear idea of what I was taking care of in the restroom. And she said that was all, and I was thinking, I do not want anyone to... I don't know these people. I don't know anything. I just, I just want to rid myself of this moment. And I thought I had. Until I got on the airplane to discover that the same flight attendants who saw this man holding up their pants was the flight were the flight attendants on our plane. So the lady serving me my cranberry juice, she and I had an intimate connection. So I said all this to say that the enemy is the author of confusion. And we serve a God of order. Amen? This recent trip to the DR, I had the opportunity to look at the news and catch up with what was going on in the world. And I don't know if you have had a chance to look at the news and see what's going on, but we have some pretty outrageous things happening in our world right now. Um, and it deserves to have the believer's attention. It deserves to have Christian's attention. And I believe that it's scriptural that we are informed about what's taking place. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little while here. But I began to grieve in my spirit because of everything that was taking, uh, taking place. We live in a world that's very confused 
and very chaotic right now. And I say world, and I know that our minds, for those of you who know what's going on, go you know, to the Middle East and things like that. But we have some things happening in our country that are very confusing and chaotic right now. And as much as I love Smyrna, I've been here for three, almost three decades. As much as I love Smyrna, guys, I have to tell you, there is much more of a world out there than Smyrna, Tennessee. And some of us live in such a bubble that all we see is Mayfield Drive or Sam Ridley Parkway. And we're, you know, we're at home and that's all we know. But guys, there is a world out there and it is starving for Jesus Christ. It is starving for Jesus Christ. So, we serve a God of order. And as we look at Scripture and we look in Genesis chapter 1, we find that the, one of the very first characteristics of this God that we serve is that he is a God of order. He looks at a situation, a mess, a chaotic mess, and with a word speaks into that situation and brings order to the chaos that was around. And so in Scripture as we look, from Genesis and we continue on into the Old Testament, we find multiple opportunities and instances where God reaches down and he brings order and he reinstitutes the intended way that he had planned for certain events and certain situations to go. And we see that completely through Scripture because the enemy is the author of confusion and our God that we serve is a God of, a God of order. As a Christian and as a believer... I believe that we are asked to believe some radical things. As a believer, it is my responsibility and my choice to believe that there actually was a man who took a staff and put it in water. And God came upon that, that staff or that moment because of his obedience and took water and moved it side to side so that an entire nation could move through freely and, and safely. That's a radical thing to believe. As a Christian and a believer, I'm supposed to believe that there actually was a man who, who because he was so uh, uh, concerned about being obedient and connecting with this God, that even though the king decreed that you aren't to pray anymore, and if you do, then you will die, I'm to believe that this man was thrown into a cage of lions, ravenous lions, and made it out okay. As a believer and as a Christian, I am charged with the commission of the understanding and the belief, the absolute belief that there was a man who was running away from God's calling on his life and God said, I'm going to put you in a belly of a huge fish and you're going to live for three days and I'm going to establish order in your life and then I'm going to spit you out on dry land and then you're going to fulfill my promise. I am supposed to, as a believer, believe that. I'm supposed to believe that there were three men who stepped into a fire because they were not going to deny their God and they came out alive. I'm supposed to believe that this man Jesus walked this earth fully God, fully man, and he took loaves of fish and or loaves of bread and fish and multiplied it among 5,000 people. I'm supposed to believe that this man God Jesus was walking on the earth and he spoke into situations and blind men got to see and crippled men, they walked again. And he was speaking radical language and things for people to believe he looked at a man who was dead and said Lazarus come forth I'm supposed to believe that and it's radical in this day and age it is radical to say that I believe that I want my actions and my words to line up I want my actions and my words to line up so that when people look at me they don't say Kevin just says the things he believes he actually acts on those things as well 
We are just finishing up a series in youth called Living Intentionally. And one of the phrases that I've used each time uh, to open it is, our intentions minus actions equals squat. You can intend to do things all to the days long, but if you don't put actions behind those intentions, that absolutely means squat. Don't say you're going to do something. Don't say you believe in someone. Don't say that you're going to leave a certain way and then not do it because it absolutely means nothing. Radical belief is not just believing that these things happen, but believing to the point that we believe that what Jesus said and our actions line up with what he says for us to do. That is radical belief because we are living in a world right now that is very anti what scripture tells us to do. We are living in a world that says this guy, this, this man Jesus, if he was God, this man, Jesus, who's on this earth, yeah, he was a prophet, he had some good ideas, but listen, if you choose to follow him, then you're not going to get to live the way that you want to live, and don't we all want to be happy? See, I can't imagine a God who doesn't just love us and give us goosebumps, and man, why would bad things happen to good people? Choose who you want to love and just love them. Do whatever you want with them. Walk in any way that you want to walk. Don't bring any order to your life because... The only order you need is the one that you establish for yourself. That's the world's picture for our lives. And the thing is, is I don't necessarily think, well, I don't want to go there quite yet. <laughs> so we look at these examples in Scripture and what the world, the world cannot do what God does in our lives. The world cannot raise people from the dead. Man cannot do these, these miraculous things, not miraculous things. The world, the world can't give me joy, true joy. The world can't give me peace, true peace. It can paint a picture that looks really tempting, but it's not. But it's not. And so we serve this God of order who, who really has a desire to intervene in our lives. And sometimes he will intervene in real miraculous ways because God's intention forever and ever has been that we would be in communication and relationship with him. His desire since the beginning of time wasn't that we would have to be struggling in this world. His desire would be that we would be in relationship really, and I don't mean this to be any type of sacrilege, but it's kind of like walking up to God and giving him a high five, giving him a hug, being in his presence, relating to him, talking to him, spending time with him, walking the earth. All of these things were in his perfect plan. But it was us that decided that's not the course we wanted to take. And so God, in his, his lavished love for us, had to create a way because he so desperately wants to be with us. And the way that he decided to do that was through Jesus. So we look at this scripture that we just read and we, and we see that Jesus is talking to his disciples, his most intimate friends. It wasn't just a group of random people he pulled together. These are people that had been walking with him, who had laid down their lives to follow him. And Jesus is unpacking this information uh, for them. He is unpacking uh, some truths about what is going to happen, all with the intention of speaking peace into their lives. And as he's unpacking this information and he's telling them what is going to happen, the, the disciples react a lot of times like I react when I, when I really, you know, I'm not always fast on the up. They react, they say, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand. In essence, the disciples are looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, can you break this down for us? 
Can you make this easier? I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought the Lord was speaking to you, but you had no idea? You didn't understand one thing he was saying. I know the Lord, you're speaking to me, but man, I don't, what, what does this mean? Tell me what this means. And I, you know, I, for me in my life, in the process that I'm in, Lord, I need him to break it down to real elementary. No, I need him to go pre-K, pre-K on me so I can really understand what it is because I don't want to mess up. I want to be right in tandem with this. And, and Lord, I need your forgiveness because I'm so in process right now that I don't always have ears to hear and eyes to see. So if you'll break it down, and guess what? If my heart's in that place, I, I believe with all my heart, he'll break it down right to what I need, right where I am. He'll meet me right where I am and speak a language that I understand. And it's so interesting. It's kind of like when I'm in the Dominican Republic and these, these uh people are speaking at me in this language and they're speaking a million miles an hour and I so desperately want to understand them and I have to stop them in the middle of their speaking and say repita lentamente which means repeat slower please because I so desperately want to understand what you're saying and I believe that this was a moment where his friends Jesus's disciples wanted to understand desperately what he was saying to them and so they asked, they asked, they asked him, Lord, would you clarify? See, we won't ask for clarity if the desire for understanding is not present. We will not ask for clarity about the things God tells us unless the desire is in our heart and is present to know what he's saying. Because God's speaking all the time. God's not just speaking on Sunday morning or, you know, when a big situation comes out. He's speaking all the time about every situation, everything. He wants to be involved in the details of your life, like Justin said. God is in the details. And so it was this intimate relationship that these guys had with Jesus that made them question, you know, I have an amazing, incredible wife. I have an amazing wife. I don't deserve to have the wife that I have. She, she, I just absolutely adore her. And there are moments like when I'm pulled away for this last week to be on this mission trip and I'm really serving what I feel like the Lord's having me do that I really miss her and I long to be in her presence. She makes sure I have clean underwear in my bags. <laughs> she takes care of me. She loves me. I am moved by my wife. I enjoy my wife and her presence in my life. And because my wife and I have such an intimate connection, if somebody says something bad about her, if somebody hurts her, if somebody comes against her, if somebody does, if somebody does something that would be a, a tool of manipulation in her life or any, anything that would be negative, there is an emotional response that comes out of me. There is something inside me that, that has grown from and birthed from a place of love that you know, and at times it's a response of sadness. Sometimes it's a, or a, maybe a response of jealousy. Sometimes it's a response of my claws are coming out and I want to just slash everybody's face. Okay? Have you ever been there? Have you ever loved somebody so much? And then you put kids in the mix of it? You mess with my kids, you're going to question my salvation. It's just really something where the love that you have in your life, it's just you protect those you love. People are coming against Jesus Christ every day. This world is against the name of Jesus Christ. And this is somebody who we claim to have an intimate connection to, an intimate relationship with. 
the world negates and takes away and disregards the cause of Christ and says to those who love him, Jesus says to those who love him, in that moment, he says, you are going to grieve while the world rejoices. And in that moment, he's speaking to the disciples and he had not yet fulfilled his obligation to go to the cross he had not fulfilled that, but he's speaking also, I believe, to us because there's coming a day when he's going to split that sky. He's going to split the sky. He is going to come back. The radical belief of all of these things that I said earlier, I also believe that there's coming a day when he is going to split the sky, the trumpets are going to sound, and we are going to live with him forever. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. But until that time, from now until then, there is this world that we are in that is completely disgracing and having a complete disregard for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so what I wonder, as I, what, what the Lord was speaking to my spirit as I was reading this, and the Lord was speaking to me, is I kept thinking to myself, in the body of Christ, where are the grievers? Where are the grievers? We say we love him. We say we have an intimate connection with him. And when people slap him in the face, what does it do to our heart? Have we become so desensitized to the Lord that we no longer recognize when he's being disgraced right in front of our face? Where are the grievers? You are not going to be provoked to grieve over something or someone you don't really love. And so the Lord told me that those, if, the, if it's true in the body that there are no grievers, it's, it's one of three reasons. One, it's because we love him, but we're oblivious to what's going on around us. Or we love him, but not enough to follow him. And lastly, we don't love him at all. Jesus said himself, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. We should grieve about what's taking place in our world. We should be in, in great grief over what is taking place in our nation. Now that does not negate the hope or peace that we have in Christ Jesus. Because I can grieve but cling to the hope that gives me peace because he has overcome this world but there should be an element of grieving taking place that keeps us in line with his hope, his, or his heart and his purpose on this earth. There's the story, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are lots of places in the Middle East that it is illegal to worship the Lord, our Lord. People get killed. It's the, just the truth of the matter. But there are these places in the Middle East where people will gather and worship the Lord secretly. And they'll gather together in a safe place and they'll, and they'll begin to worship. And for sake of the story, I don't remember uh, how many people were in there, but you know, 50 or so people are gathering together to have one of these secret meetings to worship the Lord. And they get in there and they're about to start worshiping. And all of a sudden, some armed men with masks and guns break down the doors. And everyone rises to their feet. And they surround these people and one of, the man, one of the men yells out and says, we are only concerned with those who believe that Jesus Christ is real and truth. If he is not your Lord and Savior, go ahead and leave. But if, he, if you believe what he says, we want you to stay right here. 
the building clears out. Very few remain. They shut the doors of the place, all these guys with guns. The leader takes off his mask, lays down his gun and says, it's okay. We wanted to worship with real believers today. I intentionally told that story this morning because we don't like to hear stories like that. But the truth of the matter is, is that there are things like that happening with not such good endings all over this world. All over this planet. And here's the thing, I don't believe, I pray and hope this is not true, or this is true, but in Smyrna, I don't think that we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have a gun to our head and we're going to have to profess the name. But here's, here's where we are, and I feel like this is almost more dangerous. We get to a place where we're in our little bubble, and so all of a sudden we start finding ourselves buying into what the, Lord is or what the world is defining as Christianity. Because Christians, Christians, not the world, Christians are redefining Christianity without using biblical principles. And so as Christian leaders, Christian leaders, because their parishioners, the people in the pews are not reading their Bible and they believe anything that comes off the platform, they are leading people into a worldview of the gospel. And we are supposed to have a kingdom view of the world. And so I believe it's almost dangerous because, see, here's the thing. I don't want to be caught up in this church in Smyrna, Tennessee, down the road, and Jesus splits the sky and he looks over there and says, I have no idea who you guys are. I, in my life, I do not want to be so caught up in the world where I, I start, to realize, start to think, who am I? What do I really believe? Because there comes a point when you have to draw a line in the sand and say, this is where I stand. Come what may, this is where I stand. This is what I believe. And Lord, I need your peace. I need your protection. Are you with me this morning? Jesus says, you will grieve while the world rejoices. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. When the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But, Pedro, I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. I remember when my girls were born. And I, I always find it humorous when guys talk about the pain of childbirth because I don't think we have any idea. But I look at my wife's face when she's having these babies and I see the anguish and pain. And there's nothing like a man who's standing there and loves his wife and can't do anything about the pain to help her but just to be there. But you know what I remember more than that? I remember for both of my children the exact moment when they placed the baby in my wife's arms, the, the look on her face as if it was to say, every bit of that was worth it. Jesus came to give us access to the Father. You have access. My children who live in my home, they have access to all of my stuff, all of my belongings, my house. They have access, why? Because they're my children, and they have access to the things that I have. They have access, but you know what's better than that? They have access to me. They have access to me. And, you know, we're in this, uh, people often say that the, the two stages, the terrible twos, you know, I look at it as the terrific twos because so many great stories come out of that time frame. 
And so Hadassah, you know, the other night, we're, we're training her in discipline. We'd just taken off the gate off her bed so she knows how she's learned how to get up out of her bed. And, and I remember as a child finding every reason in the world to not be in bed like I was supposed to be in bed. But she comes, and I'm sitting on the couch, and we put her to bed, and she's supposed to be in bed, and there's a wall there, and I see this little ear poke out and this little eye, and she doesn't think I can see her, you know. She's looking to see what my face expression is when, she, when I see her, when we lock eyes. And if it's one that is, you know, like, what are you doing? She goes back behind the wall. <laughs> but if I smile at her, she peeps that little head out and she smiles big. And even though I know that we're supposed to be disciplining her and training her, and that's right before the <laughs> Lord, there's something about that little smile that melts my heart because she wants to be with me. You have access to your father. What are you doing with your access? What are you doing? If you have a key to open a door and you knew behind that door was answers to all of your problems, you knew behind that door was the, the peace that you've been looking for, that perfect wife or husband you've been looking for, that perfect uh, opportunity, the job that you're supposed to do, all the answers to the life's troubles was behind that door and you had a key, why in the world would you stick that in your pocket and walk away? You have been given access to this God, this almighty God, the same God that I spoke about earlier where I said, I radically believe that this God split the sea open. I radically believe that he came to earth in the form of a man and he raised a man to life. That God I have access to. You have access to because of Jesus Christ. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But guess what? Jesus Christ overcame the world. And because of the hope that we have in him, because of the hope that he's given us, we can walk in full confidence and full assurance that we know the end of the story. Makes it easier to draw the line in the sand when you know the end of the story, doesn't it? The question is, which side are you standing on? Because I believe that scripture, when Jesus says, turn your back on your family, on your friends, on your loved ones, and all those things, and follow me, there might come a time when that has to apply to your life. Are you willing to do it? Because the world is real clever and crafty of sneaking its way, and all of a sudden you find yourself way over here, and you didn't even intend to be over here because you were following people and not following God. Jesus loves you, and his primary motivation to do what he did was obedience to his Father. And because of that, we have access to him. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I come from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. You have access to the Father. Why did Jesus tell his disciples these things? He told them because he loved them and he wanted them to have peace. We have been informed, we have been equipped with the information to live our lives. This is a journey. This is not your home. This is a journey. This is not your home. So don't put down roots where you can't pick up and move. This is not your home. There's coming a day. He's going to split the sky. 
We've been promised trouble. But take heart. We have Jesus in our lives and we have access to this great God. Would the worship team come this morning? I would like to speak to, to the men for just a second. If you, I want to speak specifically if you are a husband and if you are a father this morning. I believe this word is for you. I'm just going to be transparent for a minute together because, I mean, I know you've heard me say multiple times from this, this platform that I'm in process. I'm not perfect. I'm in process. And I just want to confess to you something that the Lord convicted me of, and, and I've changed it, and I believe that the Lord is using it in powerful ways. But, um, you know, about eight or nine weeks ago, the conviction fell uh, on my life with regard to my family that ever since the time Sherry and I got married to now, I have not consistently prayed for my uh, prayed with my family i prayed for my family and we pray at dinner and we pray you know when situations and circumstances come out we're very much in relationship with the lord but i have not intentionally prayed with my family on a daily basis so about nine weeks ago i I turned that corner and i decided to be faithful in that with that regard and so every morning both girls and my wife and i we pray i want to speak to the husband's And the fathers in this house. The very best thing that you can do with your family is to invite the overcomer to be a part of your day. A part of their day. And there is a commission to you as the head of the house. And this is not to negate a woman's responsibility or role in leadership or anything like that. This is to say that there is a specific role for a guy, for the husband, for the father in the household to protect and to guard those he loves. And that is a commission to be over your house in such a way that honors the Lord. And the very best thing you can do is invite Jesus into that every day. So every excuse in the world I came up with, well, I didn't do it. I was, honestly, I was lazy. I had to get to work quickly. I didn't have time. The, The girls are sleeping, so, you know, I'll just leave. I'll pray for them on my way. I don't know how to pray. I don't have time. All of those things. Guys, it's as simple as pulling your family together. Jesus, I know we've been promised trouble in this world, but we invite you into our lives today. Protect my family. Guard our hearts. Help us today to honor you. Amen. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's not an hour-long prayer. Well, a lot of times I'm on my way out to the door to work and we do it right before. But do you know what that shows my daughter? That her dad says, we're going to invite Jesus. We can't lose hope. We can't abandon this word. We can't abandon Christ because the world is trying to take over everything. Because my daughter's going to grow up in this world that we're producing right now. And you, youth, I'm going to need you to be valiant and strong and, and, and courageous and standing up for what you believe because my daughter's going to follow you. And I don't want her to buy into a deluded truth. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's, let's grieve together. Let's have joy together. Let's look for Jesus together. Let's journey together with a passionate pursuit after him and change lives and advance the kingdom. Can we? Will we do that together today? Will we do that together?
So men, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's going to take some guts right now, okay? If you are a father, and if you are a husband in this place, I'm going to ask you specifically for the next seven days to take a moment and pray with your family, not for your family, with your family. In the morning, at night, whatever it is, if you are a father and a husband in this place and you say, I will make that commitment this week for the next seven days, will you raise your hand? And I'm believing that the Lord will change lives. I won't have to ask you if you did it. Your wives will tell me. We're going to end in a, in a different way this morning because I believe that the song we learned earlier this morning was a timely song because it encourages us to not lose hope and faith in who he is and to take our light out into a dark world and push it back. So if you would stand this morning, this is going to be our benediction and our altar call. And for those of you, because I know that there are people in this room who need a touch from the Lord. I know there are people in this room that need to ask God something, need prayer. You have access to the Father. You have access to the Father. You have access. Would you look at somebody and say, you have access to the Father? Just in case somebody wasn't paying attention. Would you just remain for a few more moments and worship with us during this song? Let's believe God for great things. Okay, choir, just a word of direction. Because there's one of the things that we do is we get into general routines. That's part of how our lives work. If you've disengaged and you're still in the room, could you re-engage? Could you kind of reach up and flip the engage switch? And if you're holding stuff, getting ready to be dismissed and leave, could you lay your stuff down? Because you're still a choir. And the Holy Ghost is still in this moment. And see, if, if, I, if I don't say something like that, some of you will just be treading water till we spend the next three or four minutes together and then we'll go home and have fried chicken and, you know, wait at Cracker Barrel or fried chicken. It's the gospel bird, by the way. Steve. <laughs> Jill, we're doing pushing back in the dark if you didn't know that. Somebody needs a light to hide. Somebody needs it. 
shine Love it loud and let your light so shine Say it again Let your light so shine There we are Come on Let your light so shine In case you missed it the first time Formless the earth was a void Nothing to chaos, silence to noise Light breaks forth, the world takes shape And even in his goodness he crafted a snake Adam to Eve, the serpent deception Then comes the darkness, a loss of perfection Ha! The rains came down And water filled the earth from the sky to the ground Darkness surrounds, but still grace abounds From Noah to Abram, I still hear the sound Doubt made an Ishmael, but they couldn't phase him A son who was promised, a king who was saved Can anybody raise him? A banner, a standard Dead bodies everywhere, this ain't the way they planned it Drug tribes scattered, people of the ruler I'm pouring out my soul from this cave to the doula Strike of a match for the blackness upon us What do we do with this darkness among us? So shine, sing it out let your light so shine I can't hear you Let your light so shine Outside this place Let your light so shine What else Come on. say? Let your light so shine Get it dark or push Come on Cause even in your solitude He can speak through a burning bush And when that death angel came And all you heard was screams He pushed the dark back Sunshine through the window Let your light so shine Like a symphony through 
pushing back, pushing back the dark. We are pushing back, pushing back, pushing back the dark. We are pushing back, pushing back, pushing back the dark. We are pushing back, pushing back, pushing back the dark. Yeah! Praise the Lord. Raise your hand, let me give you a blessing. May we tap into the access that we have to our Father God this week. And may we use that access to advance His kingdom in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and be blessed.